0: A question asked courageously, answered honestly, and lived authentically can change your whole life. For me, that question was, how can I use what I have, what I love, and what I know to bless the lives of others? The School for Good Living and this podcast are one answer to that question. Hi, I'm Brian Miller. I know that the world can work for everyone, but that it won't until it works for you. I've created this to help you make the difference you were born to make. It's a series of conversations with thought leaders who are moving humanity forward. And in each episode, I explore their lives and the work they do. I also ask them to break down how they've gotten their books written, published, and read. This podcast is all about exploring the magic and mystery and sometimes the misery of the creative process. So if you have a mission, a message, and the motivation to share it, this podcast is for you. Welcome to the School for Good Living. Today, my guest is Smiley Poswalski a millennial workplace expert, keynote speaker, and best-selling author of The Quarter Life Breakthrough and The Breakthrough Speaker. Smiley is somebody that I met through friends. It turns out I've got three or four friends who aren't friends with each other who all know Smiley. In our conversation today, we talk about the qualities of a good prank, the value of making the ask, not waiting for permission. The gatekeeper is often yourself. Smiley talks about writing the book you need, writing about whatever people are asking you, And then he gets into a few tips about public speaking. So if sharing from a stage is something that you're interested to do, Smiley's a good guy to know. One of the things I love about this conversation is Smiley talks about his lifestyle. It made me think about the healthy writer's lifestyle as opposed to maybe the unhealthy writer's lifestyle where Smiley's not fueled all the time by caffeine or alcohol or amphetamines. Or, you know, some of these things that uh, might be conducive for productivity in the short term, but have a very bad outcome. I think Smiley is a great example of somebody who lives a very workable lifestyle and makes a big difference in the lives of many others while simultaneously earning money and having a good time doing it. Smiley, welcome to the School for Good Living podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Just before we started recording, we were talking about how many friends we have in common yet this is the first time we've connected one-to-one, but it's uh it's really a pleasure. Yeah, I'm excited. So one thing I I really want to be sure to ask you about is an experience that happened at Burning Man. It's uh something with Shmoo and some prank that was pulled. Will you tell me a little <laughs> bit about what happened there?
1: <laughs> that is not what I thought you were gonna ask. Um, uh, that's great. I I I'm wondering where that came from, but uh, uh I wonder if uh if bubble seated that. This yeah. So this is my, uh, have, have you been to Burning Man, Brian?
0: I have not yet gone. Okay.
1: Okay. Uh, I highly recommend it, um, for everyone out there. It's, uh, very much a life defining experience. Even if you only go once, I think it's something worth, worth doing just to kind of be in the presence of, uh, 70,000 people that are basically just being themselves, um, and kind of, um, standing in their creative truth, whatever that is, uh, it's pretty powerful. Um, So, you know, even if it's something that you hate, but you experience once, I think it's it's worth going to. But this is my third year, um, and I've always gone with um, a a close group of friends, uh, Shmoo, who you referenced, uh, being one of them. Um, And so the first year I went was 2014. I went with uh, Shmoo, with actually Shmoo's younger brother, Levi, uh, Fidget is his, um, his nickname. He took me uh, for the first time, him and his girlfriend, and their whole crew of friends. Uh, and that was like my first burn. And then the next time I went was last year, 2017. Um, and we went actually because Fidget had passed away. Um, so Levi, my, my buddy, one of my best friends who had brought me to Burning Man, um, had died uh, earlier that year uh, from a brain tumor, from uh, brain cancer. Um, young guy, uh, about 30 years old, um, uh, 32 actually, um, who started this thing called Camp Grounded, which is a summer camp for adults, which is how I know, um, Evan Kleiman. And, uh, so we went to celebrate his life at Burning Man. There's a temple, which is this beautiful place where people go and cry and write letters and just kind of sit with and mourn and be in the presence of people that uh, are no longer with us um it's a really beautiful powerful place to be um and so then this year i went um kind of on my own our whole crew didn't go this year except for shmoo who is levi's older brother and we were camping um with a bunch of some people we knew but a bunch of strangers in a big live music camp um and shmoo with the help of his uh younger brother levi's uh there's three brothers uh shmoo levi and zev had made these flyers 300 of them that they put in porta potties with my face on them uh, <laughs> that said, um, if you're having any trouble on the playa, uh, call and you need a lawyer, call Barry LaCroix uh, with my face on it. And it said, call 555 5555. You know, if your campmate stole your beer, uh, if you're having trouble taking a poop, uh, if someone's giving you shit. All kinds of these weird little things. Uh, if you're having any trouble on the playa, call Barry LaCroix, uh, attorney at law, and he'll he'll take care of it. And they had taken Zev as a graphic designer. He actually did all the graphics for Camp Grounded. He's a really brilliant creative and did all the logo and branding for Camp. He had made these – he wasn't even at Burning Man this year, but he had made these flyers um, taking kind of pictures from my Facebook and my social media uh, the profiles and put them on these and, and printed them out and 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 shmoo with the help of I guess a couple other people put them on porta potties obviously at Burning Man everyone uses porta potties all around the playa uh so all as soon as I got there I had these people coming up to me being, me being like Barry LaCroix hey the lawyer, <laughs> Barry LaCroix and I was like what is going on and then I went to the bathroom about an hour or two after I got there naturally and I go in there and I'm like why is there a picture of me in the toilet? <laughs> um, it was an amazing prank. And the good, the beauty of it is it's a pretty, I mean, it's a beautiful thing because Levi um, was at, at its very essence, a prankster. That's kind of why he started camp was just to kind of mess with people. It was a digital detox kind of to screw with people about, you know, their reality and what was happening in the world. And uh, we've had a human powered search instead of Google and, pet rocks and uh, like your friends in person instead of liking them on Facebook. And the whole thing was kind of a prank to see the experiment of taking people out of their real world and into the Redwoods for a few days. So it was pretty fitting that uh, his his brothers and my friends kind of, uh, he, he would have been very happy to see that prank. Uh, and it was like, you know, pulling off a prank is really hard. Like a good prank, there's an art to it, you know, like. I think people do often do bad pranks, which is just like they make their friend look bad or they make fun of somebody. But a good prank is actually funny. And so every time it was it was bringing a good prank actually brings joy to people. So it was bringing joy to the people. So they go to, you know, going to the porta potties at Burning Man is not a pleasurable experience, right? You know, people are tired, they're dehydrated, um, maybe they're partying uh, or they're drunk or something. And they've gone into the porta potty and they see this flyer in this guy's face, and then they would bump into me. These are complete strangers. And like, oh my God, is that Barry Lacroix? Are you the guy for the porta potties? And I can't tell you how happy some people were to, to stumble upon me. Like I had this guy saying that it was the his best moment of Burning Man, which I kind of felt bad for his wife who was hanging out with. I'm like, this is your best moment is running into the guy whose flyer was at the porta potties. But anyways, you know, maybe he was having a spiritual experience or an out-of-body experience. You know, a lot of stuff happens at Burning Man. Uh, I was like, oh, my God. And he offered to work for me. He was like, I'll be your intern. <laughs> I'll be your paralegal. So anyway, it was a beautiful prank because it brought all these people joy. And it was very funny to me because every time someone came up to me, it made me smile and laugh. And I'd pretend to be a lawyer. You know, I'm obviously not an attorney. Yeah. I might pretend to be a lawyer and be like oh yeah I'll take your case maybe we can meet on Tuesday afternoon uh my (laughs) conference call or put your file in my briefcase and I actually was carrying around a little briefcase for a while um anyways it was it was an amazing prank and Shmoo and um Zev are are great are great homies and and Levi is is looking down from somewhere laughing somewhere rolling around in a you know cracking up about all this so it was it was a really beautiful moment actually one of the highlights of 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 not just Burning Man but of the year so uh it was and now I now I have to get them back I have I have I don't know how it's going to happen but I don't know how to top that but I think like every group of friends should have like loving pranks that they keep trying to one up each other on you know yeah I, no i love that perspective about a
0: prank a good prank is one that brings joy to people and and so when you're thinking about how you get them back it's not some malicious thing but how can you how, yeah like you said how can yeah, you top it, that
1: it, it celebrates people i mean the other part of it that was amazing is that it was kind of messing with me and i have a whole uh a little bit of a uh, as as other people out there that are you know um Personal brands, or authors, or speakers, are kind of putting themselves out there. There's so many beautiful things about that, but it's also a little bit challenging uh, of being kind of a, you know, a public personality, and I kind of struggle with it. And part of the prank was a little bit messing with that, you know, because like Zev and Seth uh, Shmuel would make fun of me. Um, Sometimes when we'd be at Burning Man, like, you know, running around, like wearing onesies, being silly. And someone would be like, oh, my God, Smiley Pozwalski, I read your book. And they'd like make fun of me. They'd be like, ha Like, <laughs> it's just like a silly thing that someone is recognizing you for that in this moment. But then it was cool because the people were recognizing me to be Barry LaCroix, a fake lawyer from the Porta Potties, uh, which was kind of messing with my um just like my, my brain and my ego, which is actually quite beautiful and made me realize that all of this is kind of bullshit anyway. So, uh, (laughs) it was like, a it was like, you kind of, uh, just like, don't, don't take yourself too seriously is like, I would say like the conclusion there, um, do important things in the world, but remember that it's all, uh, if you can't laugh at yourself and laugh at the people around you and, uh, bring joy to the people around you that, what's the point?
0: My, one of my takeaways from that is that advertising works, <laughs> right? Totally. And that's a career change strategy you didn't include in the Quarter Life Breakthrough, but maybe it deserves a, a the 10th anniversary edition or something. <laughs> yeah,
1: It's true. I, I, I was surprised at how perceptive people were and how much they were paying attention to what was in the porta-potties. Uh, and it struck me as interesting that I don't think I ever pay attention to what's in porta-potties, um, but also that... Um, flyers, uh, are old school and actually can work to get, yeah, man, to spread an idea.
0: Yeah. So that is another thing. Camp grounded. Something else I wanted to ask you about. Um, I read in the quarter life breakthrough about the fact that you were a counselor there. Will you tell me just a little bit about what were your big takeaways as you led other people through these, this digital detox and this kind of connection to nature and what, whatever I've actually never been to camp grounded yet either.
1: Yeah. So I've been a counselor, uh, camp started in 2013. Uh, it's on a little bit of a hiatus now, hopefully it will come back. Um, so I think altogether I was a counselor at about 13 different camps over five years. Um, and basically camp grounded is a digital detox. It's a four day, uh, essentially retreat, uh, experience in the redwoods. Um, we've done them in Northern California in, uh, upstate New York and Texas. Um, and north carolina um all in in nature all in the woods all digital detox so we lock people's phones away and laptops or apple watches if they have them for four days uh and really it's just about reconnecting with yourself and reconnecting with others and play uh it's about kind of giving people that sense of what it's like to be a child again where they can just not be on their schedule not be on instagram not be worried about what's going on on social media and just be in the moment be present. Uh, There's no real names. So we use nicknames. So, for example, I use Smiley or there's Cookie Surprise or Bubbles or Shmoo or Mobius, um, uh, you know, Sparkle Pony, whatever it is, um, Ocelot. um, And the whole point of it is just to kind of connect with a different identity that's not... Your name and not your work we don't talk we ha- we have a no w talk rule, so there's no what do you do there's no oh on LinkedIn, I saw that you're an entrepreneur, or, oh, you work at Dropbox that's so cool, or you started three companies or you're a you know a whatever fellow there's none of that um so it's really just about being like, oh, you're an awesome poet or I really like your face paint <laughs> or you were really cool when you were hula hooping over there um The point being connecting with people in a way uh that's more unique, raw, authentic, um, and I think, uh, really, uh, breaks down, uh, barriers and lets people become, uh, very close, very quickly and just channel a different side of themselves. Uh, so for me, it was a really powerful experience. I I think, uh, what I saw most of all is that, um, when you allow people to express who they are, it's when, they, when you allow people to, when you give them kind of the space and the permission to be who they really are, uh, amazing things can happen. Uh, when you kind of take down some of the um, rules, expectations, guidelines that I feel like society often gives us, uh, this freedom emerges. And, and people uh, not only um, are happier... Uh, but they channel this kind of creative power, and I think a similar thing can happen at Burning Man, but a, uh, this kind of creative power that's not present normally in society. Uh, so they'll start writing, they'll start doing spoken word or improv or building something or having a conversation that they've never had or um, having an insight that they haven't had in a year about maybe a job a relationship uh, someone in their family or something that's not working in their life because they have now the space and the permission to do so. Um, it sounds very simple, and I think it is actually quite simple, uh, removing distraction, removing some of the digital technology, um, but also removing that kind of, I am Adam Pozwalski. I am an author. I This is my how many followers I have. And on Tuesdays, I'm responsible for this, this, and this just to be like, okay, no, you're Honey Bear. Like you have dinner in a few hours between now and then like you can do whatever you want and what do you want to do and who are you and what do you care about? What do you want to talk about? Do you want to go sit in a hammock? Do you want to read a book? Do you want to go play with that person? Do you want to go to this thing? Um, And amazing thing happens when, when you kind of give people that space, Um, you know, I, I, it's, it was very uh, profound thing. I think, Uh, A lot of people, you know, I have friends that kind of like will look at that have never been to camp that from the outside will say, oh, basically, you're just like going hiking or you're just going in the woods. Like you have a digital detox when you go to the woods. And on some surface level, that's correct. But on the other hand, it's this sense of going uh, shared intention. An amazing thing happens when you have a shared intention with a group of other people and you all kind of agree to say, "Okay, we're not looking at our phones. We're not using our real names. We're not talking about work. Uh, we're not paying attention to time. Um it's really powerful. Um it's 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 an incredibly powerful experience. So um I saw I saw people um really kind of come out of their shell. I saw people uh decide quit their job. I decide saw people that were decided they were going to write a book or start some sort of entrepreneurial effort. I saw people uh, witness people being like, I need to get out of a relationship I'm in that's toxic, or I need to, um, you know, change where I live or change something about me, or I feel comfortable with who I am for the first time, or I feel comfortable being gay, and I've never felt comfortable being gay before, whatever it is, like, I saw all of these things, because people were finally kind of given permission uh, to be who they really are, which is quite powerful. Um so I'm very grateful to Levi, to Fidget, um, grateful to Camp Grounded uh, for creating that container um, over about, I think, about 3,000 people experienced camp uh, in one form of or another uh, in, in five, five or six years. Uh, and hopefully, hopefully it will continue. It's on a little bit of a break right now, but hopefully you'll get a chance, Brian, and, and other folks listening will get a chance to experience it when it comes back.
0: Yeah. It, I hear all the best cults begin that way they take away all your electronics and all your identity and no no totally. but that does sound I mean, really there, fun there are,
1: there are cultish they're very much cultish aspects to it as there are cult cultish aspects to anything that is a gathering of like-minded souls or yeah um but i think you know it is a, a best kind of cult of of, of it's just a very a, a nurturing encouraging supportive group uh and and community
0: no oh, that's awesome so I want to ask you about your books, about The Quarter Life Breakthrough, The Breakthrough Coach, and I realize the answer to this might be different, so if so, that's fine, but maybe it's the same. Who did you write these books for, and what did you want the books to do for them?
1: Yeah, uh, so different answers for, for both of the books, the, break, the Quarter Life Breakthrough and The Breakthrough Speaker. Um, the first book uh, really came out of my own quarter life crisis. So I started writing this. I wrote two versions of the book, actually. The first one I self-published back in 2014, and I really wrote it for myself when I was going through the quarter-life crisis. You know, they, they, they say right what you know, and I really wrote the book I wish I had. So I, I wrote the book for, you know, what I felt like I was going through and people around me were going through, and that there are, sure, there's a ton of career resources out there. There's even books about the quarter-life crisis, I didn't find any uh, – I didn't have that book when I was going through it that I was like, this is my my guide. This is my North Star. This is the thing that's going to get me through this. I just kind of felt lost. So, you know, when I was in my late 20s, um, I was, you know, working in Washington, D.C. in federal government, had a great job on paper, good benefits, good salary, good health care, uh, was working for the U.S. federal government and kind of felt – stuck because on paper it was perfect. It sounded good to everyone. Um, Everyone was impressed. People were even jealous. They wanted my job, but I hated it and I didn't want to be there. And I didn't really know how to get out of that. And I knew I wanted to do more writing. I knew I wanted to live in San Francisco and California, support social entrepreneurs. Uh, I just didn't know how to do it. I didn't know the roadmap, uh, the path. Um, And I've learned that there isn't necessarily one path (laughs) at all or a straight line at all. Uh, but I definitely didn't feel like that there was any resource out there to help me. Um, and if anything, all of the books people named just seemed overwhelming and just seemed kind of like generic career job hunting, figure life out kind of stuff. Uh, but not something that was like exactly meeting me where I was like, okay, let's talk about this. This is ridiculous. Let's talk about FOMO and Facebook and being fear of missing out and being jealous of what your friends are doing and being like, Oh my God, that person's in Bali making all this money. That person's in business school. That person's opening a food truck. Maybe I should open up a food truck. I'm not a good driver. I'm a bad chef. Probably a bad idea. <laughs> like, let's talk about this, honestly. Um, you know, and kind of with, with the whole millennial I mean, millennials in the workplace, what's going on, this type of thing. So I, I really, if, if I'm being honest, I, I wrote it for, for prior For my past self um, and for a lot of the people that were also going through it, I think one of the things that I do as a writer that is just kind of how I like to write is I a lot of people like, you know, I call it like the Tim Ferriss model, they'll like write about really successful people, which is cool and probably from a marketing perspective, like makes sense. Like, let me get the most famous people in the world to give advice. Which yeah, is kind of like or like the Warren Buffett, mo- you know, like, who's the like, let's find the richest people, most successful people, most famous people and put them in a book. I'm like, let me write about my friends. <laughs> right. Which I get it. Probably people don't care about Smiley. This guy's Smiley Pozwalski's friends. But I'm like, they're my friends. I talk about them, life with them. I know their stories. Uh, for me, it's more real. So that's how my, my approach actually in both of my books has been is I write about the people I know, what they're going through and where they're at, because I think that that's actually more relatable for me, at least like, I don't like, yeah, tools of Titans and Tim Ferriss and this, I I just can't, it's 17 steps. It's, it's, it's 38 steps from where I am. I want to know like two or three steps. Yeah. Because it's so far and it's like, okay, that person makes $6.8 million a year. I'm trying to make like 60 grand or yeah. 100, 100 grand or like 110 grand or like 160 grand, right? Like give it to me so that it's like where that person like actually when they started. And it's almost more interesting that they just got a little bit further than like, oh my God, they're a global sensation, blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, like, let me tell you about my friend's story. So for the quarter-life rate, for like breakthrough, I really—if you look at the book—I really just start profiling people around me, and these are not just random people that are, are not inspiring or not interesting. These are awesome people that have started really cool companies that are building uh, amazing mission-driven for-profit businesses and nonprofits, and have written great books. Uh, but they're not famous. Uh, I hope one day they become famous, and maybe they—they—they've gotten a lot of traction. Uh, but I really just wanted to write about people that I, that were in my life that were doing really cool shit, uh, because I actually find that a lot more interesting and relatable. Um, so the book was really, you know, I wrote it for myself, but I also wrote it for them and wrote it for a lot of the people I profiled that had kind of had a major transition of going from something that they really found, um, not meaningful, not fulfilling, uh, maybe their life was a little bit depressing. Maybe they felt like a lot of, a lot of anxiety or they felt stuck and, and they got to a better place and, and how they did that. Um did,
0: did that and, ever cause any problems writing about the people you knew? Like maybe you ended up getting facts wrong or you shared something that somebody wished you hadn't. I mean, how did you, how did you navigate that? How'd that all work out?
1: Um, I'm pretty good about fact checking and I always kind of, you know, I do like a different stages of like, Hey, are, is it cool if I include you? Um, I hear some questions, let me write something up I'm gonna send, send it back to you to get, um, just to kind of make sure that I have it right. And, and, and kind of do like a final, is this, is this correct? I don't often always let people completely edit their things. Cause you, would, yeah. I, I, there's no more, end to that. Is this correct? Right. Yeah. Exactly. People are always going to want to make it different, but is yeah. this correct? Is it, am I factually, am I getting the facts right here? Um, is, is everything accurate and then maybe my analysis is a little bit different and if you have a major issue let me know but otherwise uh basically are you okay with me printing this uh and that's a lot I've of work i've never really had oh yeah it is yeah definitely um but you know i've never really had someone say i really wish you hadn't printed this i think people really want to see it's really um it feels good to see yourself in print uh, people take a lot of pride in in being in a book, you know, especially like, you know, this book was originally self published, but then it got published. To see your book, see your name and your story uh in a book that's in bookstores, um, is very, very powerful. Right. And then to know, and the coolest thing is that I've had some people that are featured in the book say that, oh, I read about you in Smiley's book. Like, oh, you're that guy. You're you're no um my uh, there's a story, I'm, and I'm happy to share it, um, about a guy named Bernat. Um, oh, yes, this is the guy you talk about in your TED Talk, too, right? I uh, talk about my TED Talk, I'm who I met on a bicycle. He's yeah. had people being like, I read about you, or I saw you in my TED Talk, or, I saw you in Smiley's TED Talk. Um, you become like a character, <laughs> and it's actually quite cool, mostly because then you're actually, not me as me, the author, but the person that I'm profiling is the one inspiring other people. Yeah. Um, that's the cool thing about writing. It's, it's not, I mean, I compiled it, I made it happen, but the people that are actually the ones inspiring readers are the people I feature. It's their stories, right? Yeah. It's, no, it's their words, it's, it's, it's their lives. Um, that's the beautiful thing about writing, um, is that you really start to kind of, um, have this ripple effect. And, um, I've been really, I, i I've, I, I that's one of the the coolest thing for me is to kind of see which stories people identify with or resonate with and Yeah. And for anybody that hasn't seen your TED talk,
0: even though it's been viewed more than half a million times, there's I know still a few people that might not have seen it, but would you be willing to share that story that you just mentioned and also what what your takeaways from that were?
1: Yeah, so it's a great story. It's a completely real story. Um but um basically a few years this is now I don't know how many years ago, but several years ago, um, I was uh, biking home in San Francisco just on my bicycle. Um, uh, cause I don't have a car and, I, and all of a sudden this guy bikes up alongside me and says, my name is Bernard. I'm from Spain. And I was like, I have no idea who you are. Please leave me alone. <laughs> um, you know, San Francisco, there's all kinds of people roaming around. It's, you know, good idea to probably not talk to every stranger. Uh, you meet, although that kind of contradicts what I was talking about with Camp Grounded, but <laughs> it's still, you know, it's, you, you probably are not going to be talking to completely random people all the time. So he keeps biking alongside me as I bike away. He's like, no, man, my, my name is Bernat. I'm from Spain. I'm looking for a job. I was like, sorry, man, I got to go, you know, <laughs> like, leave me alone. He keeps biking alongside me. My name is Bernat. I'm from Spain. I, uh, I'm from Barcelona. I'm looking for a job here in San Francisco. I'm a UX UI designer. Um, there's, there's really bad unemployment in Spain right now. I got to find a job here in the Bay area. And I kind of was like, Oh, Barcelona is a beautiful city. Actually, my, uh, my best friend used to live there. I visited once uh, great city. And he asks me, he says, Oh, well, what are you working on right now? And I tell him I'm working on this book uh, uh, about, you know, millennials, figuring out what to do with their lives, careers. And he says, oh, well, do you have a cover designer yet? And I said, no. He says, well, go home, check out my website. Maybe we can work together. I go home. I check out this guy's website. I was like, man, this guy is a really good designer. Like, he had been done all this really interesting UX UI work. He had done some CGI stuff. His website, his portfolio was really great. So I post on Facebook right after I got home. He weirded up or not when I was biking home. Um tonight in San Francisco. He hails from Spain. He's looking for a job here in the Bay Area. He des- he's a designer. Uh, if you know of anything, let him know. Uh, and about five minutes later, my buddy Yeek comments on the thread. And he said, oh, Bernat should meet with my friend Mark. Uh, they're doing this mobile startup in Palo Alto. There's like five of them. They don't really know what they're doing. They need a lead designer. Maybe they can work together. You know, Bernat meets with their team. He gets hired to be the lead designer for this um, tiny mobile startup in Palo Alto. He um, he gets a work visa to stay in the United States, which is a very big deal. Brutal unemployment in Spain. Uh, he ends up uh, designing the cover for my first book, um, for the self-published edition, and uh, and and he thanks me. But then a couple and a couple years go by, really, maybe a year and a half or so, maybe two years, and I don't really hear from him. Um, all of a sudden, after that, two years later, I get a text message from Bernard that says, Smiley, I'm taking you out to dinner anywhere you want to go. And I was like, sweet. I'd love to get taken out to dinner. That's awesome. I was <laughs> writing, my, writing at the time. I was completely broke. And it turns out, you know, we're at dinner and I'm like, hey, you know, why are you taking me out to dinner? What's what's going on? Turns out that the mobile startup he had been working for had just been acquired by Yahoo for 80 million dollars. Wow. And he was like the fifth employee at the company at Equity, lead designer. He could definitely afford to take me out to dinner. And, you know, he says, you know, he's like, hey, man, like, thank you. Like, this wouldn't have happened if not for you. And I said to Bernard, I was like, thank you, man. Like, like this guy, you know, like, thank you. Like this guy talked to a random stranger, (laughs) like in a city he didn't live in, in a country he wasn't from on a bicycle. Like who does that, right? Yeah, that's bold. So that's the the lesson there is make the ask, you know. And I have and and I talk about that every time I every time I give a presentation. But I think that that's what it's about. I think that you have to be bold. You have to put yourself out there. Um, maybe not a be- the best idea to harass random people on the street all the time, but you have to have that perspective if you want something in this world. You have to go out and make it happen. And you have to be willing to put yourself out there and, and make those big, bold, ridiculous asks um, because otherwise people can't help you, you know? And it's not like every person you're going to ask is going to be like, oh, yes, I'll hire you right now. Or, oh, you want a book deal? I'll give you a book deal. Like, that's not how it works. And a co- one out of every 20 of those is going to come through, right? Or someone's going to get you one step closer. They're going to say, oh, I I can't do that, but my friend can, right? Or yeah. we're not we're not hiring right now, but check back with check back in with me in, in six months. Or um, you're not ready to get a book deal with us right now, but why don't you self-publish and we'll take a baby? Or how about you write this article for me? Or whatever it is. It's these baby steps, but it starts with that perspective of, of making the ask. And I think we're too scared often to put ourselves out there um, that we don't even start or we don't even – we have all these things we're working on and no one ever sees them because they kind of just stay in our – You know, they stay in our Google Docs or they stay in our desktop. And I'm sure there's someone out there listening that's like, oh, man, like I've been working on this manuscript for six years and no one's seen it. It's like, that's a problem. (laughs) You know, like (laughs) someone needs to see that thing. Does that mean it's perfect? Does that mean it's ready for Penguin Random House? No, but it means someone needs to see it and you need to get some traction on it. Even if it means you need to write half of it over, like you have to take some you have to I, 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 I know it all. People always say this, but it's. Um I, I think that one of the biggest lessons I've learned with writing is that there it's it there's not like there's not magic here of um uh, you know someone um like being like you are ready to write a book. You know, like yeah. you have you like 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 you're gonna wake up someday with like this this inbox this, like note in an inbox that's like, oh, we've been following you, we think you're great now's the time it's like no one is ever ever going to do that um you have to and you talk about
0: that right in your book talking about the difference between inner versus outer authority
1: totally um that's huge i mean i think it's you know we've been trained and conditioned for this external authority of uh, and i think this is increasingly relevant in this day and age uh of you know okay um get the degree get the master's degree um, get the certification, uh, get published here, get the, the gatekeeper to sign off on it. This is like the world we live in where we're just like getting amassing gold stars or amassing awards for whatever purpose. Uh, I'm not sure, like basically making, padding the resume or making ourselves feel good or some sort of ego boosting thing. Um, the actual jump to do something really important in the world comes from within. It's just saying, I'm ready for this. I'm doing it. That's it, <laughs> right? And if it's good and it matters, people will care. Um, that's that's the biggest thing. I and I think that that's the 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 biggest leap is not getting you know the attention of TED or um, a publisher or a spe- with the tools that are available today. Uh, it's much more about putting yourself out there about creating something worth creating about creating something that matters and sharing it with the world. Um, again, that doesn't mean that if you haven't practiced and if you haven't worked hard and if you don't have anything really to say that people are going to care. Um, right. But I am saying that it comes, I think all too often I talk to people and it seems like they're waiting for a permission slip. They're waiting for someone to say, Oh yeah, you're awesome. Can I tell you how much how, how awesome you are? Like everything you've ever written is amazing. It's amazing. We're just <laughs> gonna give you six million dollars for everything you've already done. Actually, you don't even have to do anything. Just sit there, and we're just gonna pay you. It's like yeah. what the like no, it's like it doesn't happen. Yeah, it doesn't happen. And 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 I say this. I am um, uh, so grateful for you know that I've been able to publish. Um, but if you really look at my journey, I I don't I don't know how much. Um, we didn't talk about the second book, and I will, but I actually – so I, I self-published the first version of The Quarter Life Breakthrough. I pub- then I got uh, uh, the opportunity to publish – I uh, got a book deal to publish the new version of it in 2016 with uh, Targer Perigee, Penguin Random House, which is awesome. It's in the bookstores. Uh, not every bookstore, but most bookstores. I was just traveling in Asia and the Philippines, and I saw my my book in a bookstore in Manila, which is like the coolest thing in the world. This guy That's that I awesome, met dude. told me he bought me that. It's really cool. And then most recently, my book that just came out um, about two months ago, I self published because the publisher wasn't interested in it, and, and my agent and I didn't get any real real uh, bites on it. And I, I went, meaning, I went right back to where I started. Um, and it was a humble reminder of like who cares <laughs> like yeah. i 've done this before. this is a great product i 'm getting great a great great reception for it. maybe we 'll get picked up down the line, and maybe not. The point is, if you have something to put put out there um in in this in the world we live in today in this day and age, um stop waiting for permission, make it happen um, yeah. ship and and show your work, ship your work. Um, and, if it, and if it's good, if it needs to be out there, you'll build an audience around it and people will care. Um, there's so many tools available now, whether it's crowdfunding and Indiegogo and Kickstarter and um, self-publishing. Uh, and I think we're only going to have more of those. The, the, the gatekeeper is yourself, right? Uh, mm-hmm. The gatekeeper is, is uh, creating is getting over the fear of creating great work. Uh, and putting it out there um i i I still think that there will always be a place for these kind of the the famous people to have their agents to have their book deals to have the people that are their managers and whatever, but most of us that are just kind of creating important stuff we're gonna make it happen and make a living by just by finding by finding our audience and making it happen ourselves uh yeah. and with the tools the technological tools that are available. Yeah. There's,
0: there's fewer excuses <clears throat> every day, right. Between all the technology and all the other examples we have. And I love that perspective of, you know, the gatekeeper is yourself. Just yeah. Getting over it, getting into action. Tell me wh- where did, where did Bernard take you to dinner?
1: <laughs> uh, foreign cinema. It's a very uh, delicious restaurant in San Francisco.
0: But he waited to tell you at dinner about why he was taking you. Eesh. It might've been a different choice if he told you before, I imagine.
1: yeah totally oh yeah well foreign cinema is nice but i probably would have been like all right well let's go let's go to like eight uh five star uh you know 18 course meal or something or uh 80 million (laughs) dollars yeah But uh, i thought it was great you know there was like you know he he i think the coolest thing about that is that you know, he was very thankful when he got the, uh, you know, original job. It allowed him to stay here in the, in the U S and, um, he's actually still here. He's now, um, I believe married, but, um, so it's just really funny kind of how one connection or this kind of synchronicity can work sometimes. I, Uh, you look back, and I mean, I think we've all had those types of people, if you look back, like, what, how did this come to be? And you, and you trace it back. And it was one, one person writing an email uh, connection, right? Yeah. Uh, Or like, how do you get that job? Or how do you end up in India? Or how do you end up volunteering? Or how do you end up um, getting that book deal? Or how do you end up um, having the opportunity to speak there or whatever it is? And of course, it's all the things you've done in your life and all of the work you've done. But Sometimes you look back and you're like, oh, my God, like that person that I met at a Starbucks wrote an email because they said hi to me or something or because they liked what shirt I was wearing. I don't know, something random. Yeah. Uh, these little random things um, just goes to show kind of like pay attention and and keep your eyes open and, you know, talk to strangers. I think that's the other big thing I um, took took away from the Bernat story is, I literally was biking by, that's it, you know. Yeah, that's pretty random. I I was biking by. (laughs) I don't know how, and he told me he was kind of trying to talk to us, like literally anyone he made eye contact with that while he was (laughs) job hunting, because that's just how he is. But there was nothing really special about our interact, like how we met in that I literally biked by on Valencia Street uh, going to get tacos, and maybe I was wearing like a, you know, cool backpack or something. I don't remember, but like (laughs) – um uh, maybe, maybe he saw your aura smile. Well, he's, he's a very, he's a very, uh, perceptive, uh, perceptive yeah. human being. So
0: that's awesome. So let's talk about your second book, the breakthrough speaker. You said that you self-published this one. Um, and you said the answer was different to the question, who did you write it for? And what did you want it to do for them? Who did you write this one for?
1: This one I wrote this. So this is a very, it's a practical book for people that are starting, um, or emerging in their speaking uh, career. So it was really for um, people um, that are trying to make a living from public speaking or at least to increase their income and revenue um, from speaking. Um, so, you know, one of the things I noticed when I was um, through, through my publishing career was that um, I loved writing, um, I was good at it, it, it was fun. Um, but it was very difficult to make actual uh, enough money to live on. Um, just between, you know, you're, you're kind of relying on these book deals or, or, or selling books is very challenging. Um, and it was, it was, it was hard to just make money from writing and that writing was actually really a calling card, uh, for other work. I think, um this isn't talked about as much of, you know, i think a lot of people will just say oh go write a book, go write a book, go write a book, but they're not actually talking about the why uh or how the book fits into your business um and kind of how you how whatever it is that you specifically do. You know, they're just kind of following oh again, what i call like the tim ferriss <laughs> Model of just, I got to sell as many books as possible. I got to sell millions of books. New York Times bestseller, get me out. You know, like all this, whatever other metrics that everyone that they read online is following without being like, how is this book going to help me, Brian, and what my, what Brian's goals are, right? Yeah. Where, where does, what is this book for, going to do for for me? Because uh, I'm different, right? The co- like maybe a coach is different than the someone who's trying to get hired as a designer that's trying, that's different than someone who's a public speaker, that's different from someone who's looking for a job, that's different from someone who uh, wants to eventually write for the New York Times versus someone that's a professor. So thinking about how the book fits into who you are uh, and what your goals are. So I started to realize with with the book that writing was difficult to make money from, but actually where people were really getting in, in interested in quarter life breakthrough and millennials in the workplace and future of work and my kind of philosophies on the changing nature of jobs and careers and young people really wanting meaning and purpose in their lives. And this non-linear path, which is what a lot of the book is about, was actually through my talks and through speaking. So I found that people were really digesting the material through talks and through speaking. So I started to do a lot of public speaking. And I realized actually, that was actually by far a much more effective way for me. Again, this isn't prescriptive to everyone. But for me, to make a living, uh, mm-hmm. much more so than just writing. Um, so I started kind of this, this speaking career. And again, similar to this first book, there weren't that many resources on it. There are a lot of books about public speaking and the art of narrative and, and, um, communications and how to craft a compelling story. A lot of books about storytelling, if that makes sense, um, or the art of getting in front of the room and where to put your hands and how to develop a narrative and should you have photos or, what words should be on the slides or what, you know, this, all this stuff. There's a lot of psychology around that. But there wasn't a lot of books about how do you actually make cash from public speaking? Um, in fact, very few. Uh, and and if there were a few, they were pretty sleazy kind of online marketing type of th- books. Um, so I thought that there was a need there. Again, um, they say right what you know, and I think that that's quite, um, you know, useful. I also think it's write something valuable, right? So awesome. I started to meet all these speakers and we were talking about, you know, what to charge and how to negotiate and how to get in kind of the corporate speaking circuit and all these things. And I was having these same conversations. I kept getting hit up, right? Like, I, I would people would be like, hey, you know, the, the, the um, um, can I uh, pick your brain conversation, right? So every pick your brain thing for me was how do you make money speaking? How do you make money speaking? How do I, how do I do it? And I started to be like, I'm so tired of these phone calls. I put, I started making like an FAQs of all the things people were asking me and all the things I thought about and people kept being like, that's brilliant. Oh my God. And I was like, that's the exact same thing I said to on the last five phone calls. Maybe there's something here. So the The first lesson I learned with the, the first book was write what, write about your own struggle. Write about what write the book you need, and then the second for the second book it was write the book whatever you're getting hit up about. That's the book you should write. Whatever the questions people are asking you all the time, like whatever people come to you as like the main thing people come to you as, that's the that's that's your book. Does that make sense? So it's like… Yeah.
0: It's like the universe is kind of laying a path out for you yeah, if you're paying attention.
1: If you're paying attention, if you're the person that everyone's coming to being like, should I break up with my girlfriend? Should I break up with my partner? Should I break up with my boyfriend? Like, that, you're probably the relationships person. Like, clearly, you either have a good relationship, had a good relationship, or just skip relationship you do. advice people think you do, or you're a loving person, or you make people happy or something. That's probably, there's a book there. If people are always asking you like coaching questions on, you know, what should I do with my life? Am I happy? How do I get happier? Blah, blah, blah. That's probably your book. Like, what are the things, I'm not just talking about like one or two people asking you, but if you start to have the same conversation, like, man, I've had this conversation like 10 times in the last month or 50 times in the last year of this, literally the same people asking, the people asking you the same types of questions something about you is emitting knowledge or expertise it's in you um so for me it was around public speaking and it was weird because i was like um it just seemed like a kind of an interesting book to write but when i sat down to start writing that's what came out of all these faqs and i had kept kind of a document that was kind of speaking faqs um which really turned into the second book it's really structured around kind of um, these like very mini um, digestible, easy to read little mini chapters, each one with kind of a key lesson I learned on my journey around speaking. Mm. Um, and so it's for all the people that were asking me those questions. And the best thing about it is, um, you know, there's maybe there's a bias against self publishing. But I got to tell you, I've had so many people tell me about this second book, like, this is exactly what I needed. This is so helpful. Like, this is a, it's such a practical book. So it's giving really, really tangible advice, um, of actual things you can do and actual strategies and actual kind of step by step, kind of like a a playbook, uh, writing something that people can immediately use and is, and and they're able to kind of implement right away. And that's going to help them uh, with their business, share their story and make money. If you're helping people, if you're writing about something that's going to help people, Get more work and make more money. Um, pe- that's can be very, very powerful. Um, yeah, and that, do that's it valuable. A it's, it's valuable. Like I actually think that that's the right word there. Uh, you know, that yeah. is value. Um, yeah. a lot of people um, will approach, and I talk about this actually very much in the in the speaking book. And you're, you know, you're you're in the space of of helping people and 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 podcasting and and helping people think think more critically about their lives and, and, and life advice. The word that always is thrown around is passion. I actually think that the, the word passion is, is toxic. Um, and it's actually not, it's, 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 obviously you can't do anything meaningful in the world without passion, right? Uh, like I'm not gonna go do something I'm not passionate about, that's obvious, right? You have to have passion for anything you do in this world that's meaningful. But the more important world is value the more important thing is to not just think about yourself. It's to think about where yourself and your gifts and your strengths and what your experiences interact with what people actually need. Too many people are out there writing about what they're passionate about, right? Frankly, I don't care that you're passionate about yoga, right? That's cool. But what's more interesting is how people really are asking for those tools right or or that they need more balance in their lives or that they're overworked or overwhelmed that's where you're going to write a book that's interesting right so it's yeah. not just about you it's about others and i think this is incredibly important when it comes to actual business and making money uh but speaking i meet so many speakers that are like they launch into their thing about oh my god here's my life story here's what i learned i i quit my job i moved to whatever thailand I'm I'm amazing. Here's what I care about, and not once, not once in like a ten minute or twenty minute diatribe, had they mentioned the audience. Yeah, and yeah, there's a you know that's huge, and I and I think for for if you're talking about sure if you're talking about just like what are you gonna you you can just like sit on the corner on the street corner and talk forever, great. If you're actually trying to make money, as in someone else is paying you, other people have to care about your topic. Uh, and I think we need to talk that that needs to come out more, especially in the kind of entrepreneurship world. It's not just about you, uh, it's about other people and what's really in demand and where there's a huge need and where you can add value.
0: Yeah. And and that's one of the ways that I think, and I haven't read the breakthrough speaker yet, but I've read, um, the quarter life breakthrough. And I think that what you're saying about these books are, they are valuable and they are full of practical advice that people can apply immediately. It's not just theory. I mean, the stories are great because they're examples of where people have done this. And it you know, it shows what it can look like in somebody's life. And even in the back of the Quarter Life Breakthrough, how you have a roadmap that people can create themselves, but you provide the structure. And if people will answer the questions honestly, you know, then... They're left with something that's that's truly valuable that could change the in, entire course and quality of their life. That's that's, that's amazing.
1: Increasingly, I I, I see that um, what people are really asking for and looking for is is this is uh, practical, tangible, valuable tools that they can implement. Um, yeah,
0: and in, in even that graphic that you show that the intersection, right? If asking people yeah. to think really deliberately about what is the intersection of your gifts. The community that you you serve or you want to serve, the quality of life you want to have, and, and the impact you want to make, and and like you're saying, not just thinking what's my passion, which when I first heard you kind of dispassionate passion at the minute, I was like, don't tell Tony Robbins, <laughs> don't tell <laughs> him, yeah. you know, that's. It. But then the second thing he says in it, business mastery is always first of all, fall in love with your customer, not your product or service, and exactly um, understand you know what business you're really in, what what the value, add more value. You know, it's like his mantra, and it's exactly what you're saying, and you're living it it's not, again, it's not just theory, but you've, you're, you're living it every day.
1: Yeah, this is, I think this is a really good lesson for writers, for speakers, for, for business in general, but, uh, the more you're adding value, uh, and, and I think because if, if you're adding value, that means you're the Tony Robbins quote is quite relevant is you, the more you actually are listening to people, uh, who are either paying you or want to be paying you. Right. Uh, there's a quote from, uh, my friend who's a speaker in the, in this book, Antonio Neves, he says, public speaking isn't, isn't about you. It's, it isn't, isn't for you. It's for the audience. And I think a lot of, a lot of the, you know, people that want, I call them, you know, in the intro, I have a, a chapter on wannabe speakers, kind of like, what does a wannabe speaker look like? And the wannabe uh-huh. speakers are out for them, right? They're out for like, I'm so cool. I'm speaker. Like I'm on Instagram. Check me out. Uh, I'm the shit. You know, like let me see how many followers I have. Let me. It's about the brand. It's about them. They haven't realized. Hello. It's about the people that you're in the audience. No one cares about you. I mean, they do care about you, but it's really about like how are you connecting? What are you inspiring? What material? What lessons? What takeaways? What? Um, what? What? How can people implement your material? What is it related to that's going on in their lives? What are the key issues that people are dealing with, and how are you helping them navigate those challenges? Um, if you're talking about companies and organizations, how are you improving an organization's performance, profit, um, productivity? Um, you know, workplace, uh, management, all these types of things. It's not about you. <laughs> like, yeah, you're good looking. Okay, cool. Like nobody cares, you know, like nobody cares. Like, I mean, no, it, it, I think that that's a huge, and the social media piece of this and the personal branding piece is kind of misguided folks. Uh, cause it's so easy. I think people just assume, oh, they want to be a speaker because anyone that's influential is a speaker. Um, not the right assumption to make, it's, it's the people that I know that are actually making cash, good money from this, they figured out a niche, they figured out a highly, a huge value add that they're providing um, to audiences. That's it. That's the yeah. biggest piece there, right? Yeah. Uh, they're not just awesome, they're not just cool, they don't just like have an inspiring motivating talk, like everyone has a motivating talk, like look at, you know, how many millions of TED Talks are there. It's more yeah. about are you actually adding value to the people that are sitting in the chairs in the room um, and how are you adding that value? That's that's the key piece. Yeah.
0: What, what's the most surprising thing you learned in the course of writing or researching this book on speaking?
1: That's a good question. Um, so I, I think, that the, you know, the other piece there is uh, there's there's no there's no one way to do this. Um, people come to speaking from a lot of different angles. Um, They, you know, some people are natural speakers and storytellers, facilitators. Some people start with the book um, or they kind of uh, do, I I call it an anchor. They really develop their uh, body of work or something that's really remarkable or they kind of uh, maybe they start a community or they launch a product or they build a company or they um, start a social movement and then they get a lot of notoriety and then they start speaking. There's not really a one way uh, to do this, but all the people that kind of um, are featured in this book uh, and that are, are making, are, are starting to make a living or making a, a really good living from speaking, uh, do share, you know, they, they share something in common. Uh, and, and I think that, that that's that they, that they, deeply, deeply are committed um, to, to putting themselves out there uh, and to trying lots of different things. So I really wanted to structure this book around there's not just one way to do this. It's not one kind of answer, but that these are there's this kind of a menu of options. And many of these things, uh, when combined, do will work. Um, but like, there's not one way to do it. That, that was the key. I wanted to show, okay, I I think I cite, I don't know, 50, 60 different type, different speakers in the book, people that I've crossed paths with. Um, not one of them has the same path, uh, but they all, um, were deeply committed to something, tried a bunch of different things, put themselves out there and were, um, really, really committed uh to this work and they didn't just kind of snap their finger and make it happen mm. um they they actually um were they were I, and the other thing i think they were in it for the long game um they, they know that it wasn't going to happen overnight i think that that that's a big piece here with anything millennial related or <laughs> uh business related but especially you know um for an audience of twenty or thirty somethings to remember. And I think the same thing applies, frankly, with the quarter life breakthrough. And when I talk about career career success or meaning in your work, um I think that people want the easy fix, right? Yeah, for sure. Um I, I think that most people, my journey is probably a little even rare in that it's been about five or six years I've been doing this work and You know, I make a living as a public speaker, and I'm I'm able to do that. That's actually probably shorter than most people, right? I I uh, would—I mean, there's probably people that can do it in a year or two. That's awesome, but I would say that most people, most it would take five to ten or more years to really make this happen, or or even maybe longer. Um, And I think that that's a reality that people don't want to admit because they see everything else happening so quickly. We're so used to swiping social media, and that this kind of, oh, anything can happen so quickly. The tools are available, and that's true. And when it comes to something like public speaking and and, and publishing, these things take time. Um, And no one ever wants to talk about that. But I, again, I think the passion word is overplayed and toxic, and a better word would be patience. So we talk about value. So a better word than passion is value. Another better word would be patience. Um, And, um, patience is not sexy. <laughs> There's not really like good Instagram quote p- pics for patience, <laughs> right? It, no, no one, you know, it's not a great popular Facebook post to be like, "It's going to take me a long time to do this," right? It's more, <laughs> but I'm, it's much, but more, I'm patient, right? It's more popular to be like, "I did it! I'm doing it! I'm making it happen!" Like, look what I did already. Like, that's that's popular. But the patience piece. um, is 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 huge That doesn't mean you're not working hard you know it doesn't mean you're not hustling you know hu- hustle is sexy but i call it, i think patient hustle i was gonna uh, one one idea i had for a book or at least an article was called like the patient hustler or something which is like you're working really hard you're always you know and this this like if you do all the things in this breakthrough speaker book like that is hustling for sure there's si- 67 things in this book uh it's gonna take you some. It's it's a lot of hustle. You're writing articles. You're um, doing blog posts. Maybe you start a podcast. Maybe you do a a TEDx talk. Maybe you do a little talk at your friend's co working space. Maybe you just record yourself doing a video. Maybe you're um, posting Instagram videos. Maybe you're um, you know going to conferences and just observing other speakers. There's all of these things. Uh, that's hustle, but also mixed with the overlay. Of I don't expect this to happen overnight. I know that all the things I do are a piece of the bigger puzzle. Um, and I and I'm in this for the journey um, and not to get like one gig or one paycheck or, you know, some sort of again stamp of approval. But this is I'm I'm doing this as as a you know, because I truly believe in what I'm talking about and I know that it's part of a longer journey towards something meaningful. Um, and if you have that approach, that's, that's when, that's when you actually will be successful. Yeah,
0: no, and, I, I know you're right. And, and I don't mean to make everything about Tony Robbins, but,
1: <laughs>
0: but, but I, I saw haven't this into,
1: uh, to any of, I mean, I, I watched, um, what's the one, the Netflix, I'm not, I'm not your guru. Yeah. And I've always, yeah. I've, I, I've been curious to go to the big, the big one is date with destiny. Is that no, the yeah. big one is. That's right.
0: That's right. And I, the only reason I went, you know, I've been studying personal development and and leadership and coaching pretty intensely for about the last seven years. And I had never been to a Tony Robbins event until just a couple of years ago. And the only reason I went is because I heard Peter Diamandis on Tim Ferriss podcast talking about the most transformational seminars he'd ever been to. And he said date with destiny was one of them. And when I heard Peter say that, and I had been to the other one, he mentioned, he said the Landmark Forum and right. date with destiny. And I was like, oh, if Peter's saying that's in, you know, at that caliber, I'll go. So I signed up and went just a couple years ago and never been to one before. It blew my mind, the production value, the, just the quality of the material for me, the, the community, like I told you, I ran into Ryan, you know, down there. Right. And, and it was, it was just incredible. And I came home and I thought, I'm going to read Tony's Awaken the Giant Within. You know, he wrote that book back in the early nineties. And I get the book and I read it. And I have a secondhand store that I shop for used books here in Salt Lake. I love buying these books for a dollar, $2. Well, this was one of them I bought. So I read it and here 25 years later, I call the 1-800 number printed in the back of the book just to see if it still works. And it worked. You know, Tony Robbins, 25 years ago has this, and it still got that, got an office in San Diego. And it was like, talk about patience and playing the long game, you know, for sure. That's a guy who's doing that.
1: Yeah, totally. Oh man, yeah, he's built an incredible business.
0: Yeah. So, okay, that's probably my last Tony Robbins reference. <laughs> <I'll just laughs> we'll say see. That. We'll but see. yeah, and, and I know we're coming down the stretch here on this interview. I want to I want to turn our conversation now to the lightning round. If you're up for that, just a few brief questions that you can answer as long as you Sounds want, great. but they're designed to be answered briefly. So, okay. Question number 1. Please complete the following sentence with something other than a box of chocolates. Life is like a blank. Um, uh, dance party. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that.
1: No, <laughs> number
0: two. <laughs> Wait,
1: oh, it's what needs to be like dance party? Then, like you never know. It's like dance party. Mm-hmm. Um, you can either you can either sit back and watch or get in the middle. I love it. I'm doing like the like, like box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get kind of thing. <laughs> doing like the thing oh. with the, with the explanation.
0: I love it. Okay. <laughs> Number two, what, what's something you wish you were better at? Um, accounting. Hmm. Number three, if you were required every day for the rest of your life to wear a t-shirt with a slogan on it or a phrase or a saying or a quote or a quip, what would the shirt sure say?
1: That's a great question. Uh, Look up. (laughs) Love it.
0: Number four, what book other than your own have you gifted or recommended most often?
1: Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl.
0: That was my last guess. That is actually the most common uh, mentioned book. Yeah. Yeah, What about, let's let's reverse that um, question. Which one, what book is recommended or gifted to you most often?
1: Uh, that's a great question. I think the untethered soul has been gifted to me once or twice. Michael Singer. Great book. Mm, yep. Um, artists way war of art. Um, steal like an artist. Uh, bird by bird. Um, invisible man. Great book. Uh,
0: the Ellison book.
1: Yeah. Ralph Ellison. Um, I just read an an interesting a couple people and I just read it because they had recommended a great book called Winners Take All. Have you read this book? It's new. I don't know this fiction. Yeah, it's a different category than the other books, which I would say are in the canon of any books any creative should read. This is a book about um, the the subtitle is The Elite Charade of Changing the World. And it's really about kind of getting at the crux of what, what it is that people are doing with their lives and is when people say they're changing the world, are they actually, uh, so it's definitely a powerful book for people that really want to be a little bit more thoughtful about how they're spending their time. Um, interesting.
0: Yeah. Cool. Th- thanks for that. So you travel a ton. What's a travel hack Something you do or maybe something you take with you when you travel to make your travel less painful or more enjoyable?
1: Um well two things. I run, I every the first morning I'm in any new place, I take a jog because I just feel like it centers me and I get to explore the place. Um and all you need to bring for that is running shoes. And then I always go uh look up like the not like the best fanciest restaurant, but like a like the best delicious restaurant wherever I'm going. Cause I How do you food. find it?
0: I mean, obviously, like I, online, I, maybe yeah, that's I concert, use the internet, but
1: what I do you use, do? I, I ask, I ask people, I use the internet and then I ask anyone I know that like, I'll post on Facebook or, um, or I'll ask people that live in the city or have lived in the city, but mostly I do online searches and then see, cause that makes it fun. Uh, cause otherwise I think that travel can, can get quite laborious and exhausting. So food yeah. makes it, ha- makes it more fun for me. Yeah.
0: You have any apps that work well for you? That Like you do TripAdvisor, Yelp, something else that works. It's kind of uh, like I your use go-to Yelp every
1: now and then, uh, TripAdvisor, not really. I have used TripAdvisor in the past. Um, I, uh, not really. No, I okay. just do kind of start Google searches. Right on. All
0: right. Number six, what's one thing you've started or stopped doing in order to live or age well?
1: Oh, great question. Um. Looking at email first thing in the morning.
0: You started doing that? <laughs> Stopped.
1: Okay. Good for you.
0: And what difference has that made in your life?
1: Just more creative bandwidth and less stress. Nice. And more more ownership over my day. Yeah.
0: Do you make your bed every day?
1: I do. That's a good very one.
0: Very na very navy SEAL of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's great. I've I started doing that because my wife did that. I just it never made sense to me, but now i do it and i feel i really do feel better every day all right number seven what's one thing you wish every american knew
1: um that uh people who are different um are actually amazing do you
0: know jonah Whitcamper with nexus no i think you'd really like this guy based on that answer He's pretty amazing. I want to. I want to introduce you, actually, if you're open to that. Oh, totally.
1: He's pretty I've extraordinary never been, human. I've being. heard great things about Nexus. Nexus. I've never been, but I know a few yeah, people he, involved.
0: He's one of the co-founders, and he's one of my favorite human beings. I know I shouldn't have favorites, but he's also <laughs> that's my favorite community. It's incredible. So, yeah, awesome, dude. All right, um, number eight. What advice did your parents give you that has impacted you or has stayed with you? Um.
1: Love the people around you. Um, uh, Family, importance of family.
0: What's the best way if people want to learn more from you or connect with you? What should they do?
1: Um, Yeah, you can. So uh, a couple things you can Everything about me is on my website, uh, smileypozwalski.com. Sign up for my email list there and get my books, uh, Instagram and Twitter at What's Up Smiley. W H A T S M I L E Y.
0: What's the most common way your name is misspelled?
1: Oh, people mess up Pozwolski all the time. I, I don't even at this point get upset about it. Like they put, a, they they put
0: a Z in there and stuff?
1: Kozlowski. <laughs> they put an I at the end because they're very used to that spelling, not the Y. They miss up. Yeah, it doesn't. I'm not, I'm used to it. It doesn't bother me people
0: can yeah people find you online and of course they can find your books on amazon or in bookstores around the world including in manila
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah it's probably great. easier amazon paperback kindle um but support your local independent bookstore uh, obviously um yeah. breakthrough is probably not in your local bookstore but uh it's definitely on amazon but quarter life breakthrough is probably it's everywhere so um yeah and Hopefully get working on my new book, couple new books, ideas soon. That's always um, I do a lot of writing over the holidays because I find that it's quiet and less distractions. So for any yeah. of you being like, oh, man, I haven't written a book like 2018. Here you go. December, December, January, I actually wrote um, most of the Refuge Speaker last last holiday season. I I, I, I went back to it and, and did a bit deeper dive, but I wrote the bulk of the manuscript uh, over a period of like, um, six weeks basically. So hmm.
0: awesome. Don't so need that I do much have, time to write. Yeah, that's right. In fact, and we're in November now, the November, yeah. nano nano. Yep. Yeah. I Novel. hope people, I have a friend that keeps saying he's going to do that every year. I said, I'm, I knew I'm not a novelist, so it's not, not for me, but anybody who right. wants to bang that out. Um, well, let me share this with you before we jo- just spend a few minutes talking about writing. Um, I want, I want to be sure to get this in here, so I'll say it now, that as a way of expressing my gratitude to you for making time to talk with me and share your experience and your knowledge with with me and with everyone who's listening, I've gone online and I've made a $100 microloan through Kiva.org on your behalf to an entrepreneur named Maria who lives in Bolivia, and she'll use this loan to buy groceries that she can sell in her neighborhood store to improve the quality of life for herself, for her family, and, and the people in her community. So that was one, one small way I just wanted to uh, say thank you.
1: Oh, that's very sweet of you. That's awesome. I love Kiva. Yeah, that's an amazing organization.
0: Well, cool. Okay, so with just the last few minutes we have left, I, I want to turn our conversation now to the, the craft of writing. Um, I'm, I'm really interested to know what does an average day for you look like as you've mentioned already in this conversation you spend a lot of time speaking and people ask you questions (laughs) quite a lot it sounds like you spent time responding to people one-on-one and and you are a writer how do you divide your time as a writer and what does it what is a typical day if there is such a thing look like for you um that's
1: a great question um it, it really depends if I'm in deep, deep writing mode. So like some writers will write every single day. I'm not going to lie and pretend I'm, that's me. It's not. Uh, um, if I'm in kind of the part of my year where I, I usually write uh, a lot in winter and spring because I'm less on the road. Um, with speaking, it's difficult with for me with travel and with speaking to, to be on a, on a daily writing schedule.
0: What's your optimal speaking engagements per month? Do you kind of look at it that way?
1: Or per year yeah, or something like I mean, that? It's more it's more I try to do uh about um fifty to seventy-five a year. Um, which to me feels good, but also not but also not in the level of where I'm never home and always on the road. Um I know some speakers that are on the road for over 100, 100 150 days a year, It just kind of seems miserable to me. But um you do make more money, but um there's a trade off a little bit of a trade off yeah, so for me when i'm when I'm on the in the writing kind of mode uh I'll wake up, I'll go for my run uh come back uh meditate, breakfast uh, be at the desk uh do about three ish hours of writing, three to four hours like I actually think that that's a good you know daily goal. I have a friend who's kind of a professional writer writes a lot for the New York Times. He says if he can get to get in three to four hours, even, you know, even three, uh, that's like a day and then he'll go for a walk and kind of maybe come back to some stuff and edit. But in terms of actual pure writing, that's what he's going for. Um, so that would take me to about, let's say, one or two p.m., go for a walk, uh, have lunch, uh, and then kind of do emails and call. I, I try to bulk do all my calls in the late afternoon uh, when I'm I'm more creative in the morning. So I try to do any kind of creative writing or creative work um, as early in the day as possible because around 3, 4, or 5 p.m. I start to slow down. Uh, and I can go back and edit stuff then or kind of do emails or online research and stuff like that. And uh, I generally do a lot of reading and Part of my work with speaking is I really have to kind of I I read a lot of like, you know, research and reports and books. And I actually think of that as work. Uh, It is work It's part of kind of staying on top of your industry and your topic and expertise and building it into your keynote and what you talk about. And also knowing all the stuff that people are talking about is, is part of kind of what you need to do. Yeah. And then hopefully go see some friends for or go to yoga something like that in the evening
0: you know one of the things that i love in your in the quarter life breakthrough was that you did include the self love exercises the things that kind of help us rejuvenate and stay sane where i know a lot of books will just talk about do this push yourself harder more willpower you know stuff like this but um, i could tell that book was truly written from experience when you made the time to include something like that that can help us to preserve you know our enthusiasm for our work and just our stamina because i watched my dad push himself super hard to build a very successful group of companies and he didn't build in that kind of time to rejuvenate and restore himself. So what do you do that helps you? I mean, you've talked about some of your morning ritual and how you organize your time and your work. What are some of the things you do to help you stay uh, so that you don't burn out, you know, that you're able to sustain this this pace?
1: Yeah, my biggest thing is running. I mean, I run pretty much every day. Uh, that's kind of like my Uh, It's my bliss. It's my thing that keeps me most balanced. Uh, It helps me eat well. It helps me meditate. It helps me just relax, get my stress out, my energy out. Um, So I run first thing in the morning before I have any distractions, before I've um, eaten anything. Um, So that's really big for me. Um, Afternoon walks are really big. Um, Whenever I'm stuck, I just take a walk. I actually think that that's, there's research that shows that uh, actually you're better you, you you focus better and you do better work by taking breaks so again i don't think that that is slacking or procrastinating it's actually doing better work um so i live right by golden gate park in san francisco so i take walks almost every day um reading is also uh one way i, I relax uh phone calls to friends i'm a big um phone or in-person um person. <laughs> I, I find that those are actually really rejuvenating, uh, lunches or dinners that I talk to people actually give me material, uh, and rejuvenate me. Um, and just being outside a lot, a lot of exercise, um, and, and yoga, running, um, biking, I bike everywhere, dancing, just kind of being physically active, uh, for me is, is really helpful. Also journaling, uh, I try to I try to journal uh, every day. Um, I was doing it in the mornings, which is kind of how it's done now. I'm actually doing it before bed because it substitutes me from watching Netflix or being on my screen, which is yeah. actually also good from not looking at the blue light right before bed. Um, so I'm doing just kind of like a couple things that happen, something I'm grateful for, and just generally anything I need to get out. And that kind of actually helps me fall asleep because I'm um it's like a little bit of a purge on the day um which is nice
0: that sounds really healthy cuz i'm thinking about that book um daily rituals how artists work mm. right did you read that yeah i did and i'm thinking I've, about I've,
1: I've yeah you I've know it. it
0: yeah and i, I, I think about i know of it i yeah i actually want to reread it and have a checklist to see because a lot of those artists and those writers definitely took walks you know, and there was meditation, was kind of stuff, but there's almost like, is I'm hearing you relate your day and how you've organized your life around, you know, what you do is that there's probably like a healthy writer's lifestyle and there's an unhealthy writer's lifestyle. And it seems like you've got nailed the healthy writer's lifestyle because what I'm not hearing in there is the drinking, the carousing, right? Yeah. The amphetamines, the smoking. I, I
1: really, I really barely, I mean, I'll, I drink on occasion at like a wedding or like friend's birthday or we're going somewhere and there's a cool open bar or I don't know, like this is the most amazing dinner party. Red wine is really going to be part of the experience. But I rarely, rarely drink Um, alcoholic doesn't sit well with my body um, and hasn't for the last few years. I I did. This is not to say I never did drink. I definitely spent (laughs) drank a lot in college and in my early 20s, I literally just physically can't anymore. Uh, it mm-hmm. makes me feel like shit, and um, I, I like get re- like I get hungover after like two, two, three drink, two drinks basically, which is really not useful for writing. Or any- <laughs> it's not no. useful for anything, but especially yeah, for, for trying to do lot- something for yeah. being <laughs> doing something meaningful or creative. Uh, but actually, like I know that a lot of people have this whole like, oh yeah, like I'm most creative when I've had three whiskeys. That's all bullshit. Like I mean the Hemingway legends and all that, I, I think, you know, and the Bukowski, I, I think that that's crap. I mean, show me, I, I just like, there are a couple maybe writers or musicians or artists that are like tapping into that. You know, you create better when you're messed up. But I think that that is such a, a excuse. And yeah. um, especially, you know, it's like if, if you were already that person you'd already be that person. If that does that make sense? Like yeah, if you already sure. the person that's like a genius that needs six drinks to get creative and is as addicted to drugs and writes the best poems in the world, I'm sorry, you'd already be doing it. <laughs> so you're yeah. not, so like don't do that. Like stop drinking, st- like get, get like eat healthy, <laughs> exercise and make something that matters in the world. Like don't don't hurt your body like it's impossible to to be doing important work with I'm not saying don't ever drink, like having a beer, having a glass of wine with your friends is awesome and uh, it's great. But like if you don't use those as crutches, like make something important.
0: I think I think there's a lot of wisdom in in what you're saying. What? So we talked about the things you stay away from and the things that you do. What's your writing
1: kryptonite? Like what kind of keeps me.
0: Yeah. Like what, how do you, I mean, we all have an inner critic. We all, to some degree, self-sabotage, right? We all have good intentions or we make a decision in the morning that we don't honor later in the day. What are, what is the thing or some of the things that kind of trip you up
1: on Facebook? Facebook. Yeah. I think it's like, it's social media. If I'm being honest, like I've toyed. So I've spent, I, you know, with digital detox and my experience with camp and the last few years, I've gone on various social media sabbaticals. Sometimes it's just like a week here or a weekend, and sometimes I've done like a six week or two month thing. Um, but I'll tell you, I wrote my first book, both versions of the first book on social media, media sabbaticals, like at least I think there were month to two long two month breaks. Um, and I've toyed with the idea simply because when I start going on Facebook, it's a rabbit hole. Like it, it, one of two things happened I end up spending my writing energy. Beyond comments or threads or, or or I see that other people have already written something I wanted to write which is um so I've toyed with 2019 completely taking the year off of social media which would be Ooh. challenging given my line of work Profession. I mean yeah <laughs> yeah but I also think I'm wondering if I'm at a place in my career where I could make it happen just because I built up enough of a platform with with the speaking and I have referrals like not many people book you because they see you on Instagram or Facebook. Um, now I definitely have gotten opportunities because people have reached out to me through those platforms and I think that is because they see a resi- like a like the 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 th- the through line of you doing the work if that makes sense. Sure. Like they see okay like I've see what you've built up for the last year or two not because of one post but because like oh you're you're the speaker about this. I'm going to connect you to someone. So you never want to cut off something that's bringing you income, but I'm just wondering like what it would look like. I just, how much time I would spend if I didn't have, if I didn't spend any part of 2019 on, on Facebook or Instagram, I can't even imagine. I like, I think I could write three books.
0: (laughs) There's only one way to find out Smiley.
1: (laughs) I know, but I think what I'm going to do is take January. I've, I've really been thinking about this and the only way to do it is to see if I can um, uh, I think I'm going to do January off and I would probably like keep like LinkedIn because it's, it's just, it is actually like for me professionally useful. Yeah. Uh, and I have gotten actual tangible opportunities on there and maybe I would keep messenger so that I wouldn't cut off like people contacting me. Yeah, that makes sense. But I just, so that, that for me is the, 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 there's a clear, there's a clear relationship between time spent on Facebook and time I don't write. Um, yeah, this so inverse, act, like when I don't spend a lot on time on Facebook, I'm writing more because I'm like, Oh, I need to say something cause I'm not saying it on Facebook or I'm not wasting time on Facebook or, you know, so, or, or yeah. so that, that, that's mine. Um, for sure. What about this caffeine
0: or no caffeine?
1: Oh, that's a tough one. I love caffeine. I have a difficult relationship with it because I have, I get heartburn sometimes. So I used to drink three cups of coffee a day, probably four, if I'm being honest. Um, And I had to get off, because it was just starting, a similar thing with alcohol, actually just hurting my body. So now I'm a green tea person. So I drink uh, two to three cups of green tea in the the morning, early afternoon, uh, cut off around nothing later than three or 4 p.m. because otherwise it starts to mess with my sleep. Um, And then, (laughs) i'm just being honest here i do uh like a latte or coffee if i'm traveling uh if i'm traveling or if i have like a big gig um and it's kind of like a reward so and and sometimes on saturdays (laughs) so i just yeah i'm not going to pretend that i'm some sort of saint here like i have i i love coffee and i love The taste of it, I miss it very much. I just can't drink it every day. So I kind of use it now as a special occasion type of situation.
0: What's your favorite kombucha? (laughs) Uh,
1: Revive Spring Fling Kombucha. Uh, They changed their labeling. I think it's not long, it's like their cucumber lemon mint. Revive is a kombucha company out of uh, Petaluma, California. So it's local to the Bay Area. Fantastic. Uh, it's amazing. And then my second would probably be like, uh, he's kombucha, the turmeric, um, gratitude It's like, I think turmeric ginger or something like that. I don't have to
0: check that out. I haven't tried that one. So, okay. What, what writing rituals do you have? Do you have like a certain pair of slippers you have to wear? Do you have, (laughs) you know, a a row, anything like that, that, that helps you just kind of get in state
1: yeah um that's a great question um i I have sweatpants I usually wear that are you know that are my writing sweatpants but also um i have a playlist a couple playlists that are like writing playlists with various you know chill out music tycho and uh stuff like that and some radiohead and um yeah so that's that's it's more like the music I listen to, and I'm always at my desk with a particular. Uh, part of the room and yeah so
0: so you you write it you do a lot of your writing at home when you're i i do a lot of kid. writing
1: at home yeah i just find you're not like the coffee shop guy no i can't it's too many distractions hmm. i can do other work at coffee shops or uh co-working spaces but for writing it's like i need i like to just have the, my my tea my snacks food be, be able to take a walk and leave my stuff and not have like, I want to be able to control the music that's playing. I don't want people having a loud conversation, blah, blah, blah. Yeah.
0: So, okay. So the last couple questions, and I really want to turn these to things that, um, because I think these kinds of questions can be interesting for people to hear and maybe encourage them to adopt something that works for someone else, or at least try it out or think of something maybe I hadn't thought of before. But for just a, a couple questions and then we'll wrap up, I want to ask about your process and about the advice you might give to others. Uh, your example might be enough of advice, but how when writing a book, you approach it, you know, from the outlining to the organization to the execution. I know that's a big project, a, a, a big question but like what tools you use, do you use word? Do you use Google drive, you know, Scrivener, Evernote, you know, some Trello, something else. Like how do you, how do you, from the beginning to the end, what's your process for getting a book
1: done? Great question. Um, not an easy answer. And also I would say that I don't have, I'm, I'm probably like, my yeah my process is less dialed in than than others if i'm being honest i'm a moleskin person so i keep track of things in 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 my i have like a separate moleskin for every new book project right so i have my journal and i have like my work notes moleskin but then i also have like a new moleskin um my friend jenny who's an artist started giving me these really big ones that she uses for watercolor paintings um so that you can kind of sketch out stuff like the really big like the biggest moleskin they make i think it's like It's bigger than eight and a half by 11. It's like 12 by 17 or something Uh, beautiful. So you can start doing putting post-its in there and and um, stuff like that. So I keep notes in there. I use notes, uh, the notes app and um, and word. And I just and I and I go from there. I use a lot of post-its. So I'll like map out all of the chapters and kind of uh, things I'm thinking of writing uh, on post-its, put them on a wall and then map them out based on kind of uh, table of content structure as they start to come to fruition. Uh, So I'm old school, I've always thought that Scrivener sounds so cool. Every time I like go to use it, I'm like, uh, and I just don't use it. So I think the biggest thing, my lesson there, people always ask about this is, uh, there are a lot of tools out there. Check out which ones work for you and whatever one you're actually using, just go with that. Like there, you know what I mean? The best tool is the one you actually use. So if Evernote's yeah. something that works for you, awesome. If if it's Trello, awesome. For me, it's l- my Moleskine um, and, and Microsoft Word and that that's what works. Uh, like at some point, the book gets written and I'm like, I didn't even realize it was getting written. It's written now and I didn't use any fancy tools. So I guess th- there you go. Um, it, I, I do think awesome. that they or- I think it's every 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 person's brain works differently to organize material. So I do. I love the idea of a Scrivener or an Evernote or something where you can kind of put like put quotes in this folder, put chapter ideas in this folder, put stories in this folder. But it's just like it doesn't it doesn't work for me. For me, it's just I have post its and then I start writing about that post it and then it becomes pages on a Word doc and um that's that. So um, the biggest obstacle I think. So I love the tools. I also worry sometimes that people get boggled down in the tool and then get scared of the actual writing because it's easier to be in research mode or whatever mode. And really the whole mode of the book is you're writing a book. So like you may actually write the chapter while you're doing the research about the chapter. Does that make sense? Totally. So if, if you have words coming out of you, get a pen and write them the hell down. That's my biggest thing. If, if like you're like, oh, I think I might have something... Oh, it's like you wrote it. Like, what? Just write? who cares? Google Docs, Word, put it in a, <laughs> a Gmail document, put it in an email, put it in a Medium post. The point is, words on a page is a book. That's it. That's all of words on a page. <laughs> um, so um, for me, it's like it's like you trick yourself into being like, all right, I guess I'm sitting down. I guess I'm writing now. I guess this is a book. <laughs> Yeah. I
0: I love that. Words, words on a page is a book. Like I might get that tattooed on my arm, maybe (laughs) to remind myself, because one of the, like I said earlier, one of the things we all have, we all wrestle with is this inner critic. What's your advice for managing one's own psychology and believing that this is worth saying that I'm good enough to do it, that I'm going to get there someday, like all of that. How do you navigate that and overcome it ultimately?
1: Yeah, this is a tough one. I mean, we all have it. Um, I used to do something at camp, like a, can I swear on that? I think I've already, sw- yeah, you, you sw- have. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's a, uh, it, uh, it's a, it's a, f- it's this actually, I got this exercise from a great one of my favorite books about writing is called walking on water by Derek Jensen. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it. He's an environmentalist. Um, he writes uh, that book. He, he used to do a lot of uh, teaching writing in prisons um, and he writes about um uh this exercise he used to do it's basically a fuck fuck your inner critic kind of exercise uh where you're stretching your hands uh until you know you're stretching your thumb and your pinky and your index finger uh your ring finger until you only have one one finger on each hand and that's your middle finger and you're putting your middle finger up to your middle, to your inner critic uh like you know and, and it's just like a very powerful just like Physical exercise, very, very. Not to mention your friend again, Tony Robbins. It's very just like standing in your ah, you know, yeah. And usually, like that, actually helps, you know, because it's just like ah, you know, and, yeah, just and like, you just like feel it, and you feel it, and then it's out, you know. It's like you're screaming ah, and you just get it out. Uh, that that fact that's like a physical thing that works. Um, that's helpful to me. I also sometimes just like uh, look at things I've already written. So like I'll look at an article or a blog post. And I'm like, okay, cool, I got this. Meaning like, I've done this before, I can do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, as just like a confidence booster of like, cool, been here before, now I know, you know, like that's, we're gonna get through this, we're good. Yeah. Um, so, and now it's easier for me to say that. Like, I, I think like the second book, the cool thing about the second book is that, um, and now I feel this going forward is like, you're less precious about it. And mm-hmm. I like, and I'll get on the phone now to pick your brain, conversations with people being like, all right, where do I start with the writing? And it's just like, no, like, and I hate to say it like this because it sounds harsh, but it's like, nobody really cares. <laughs> like, your book's <laughs> right. not going to sell that well. And I say these things that are just like really kind of, I, I, if someone had told me them, I'd be like, oh, you're kind of an asshole. Like, But it's true. Like, <laughs> right. your book likely will not be a bestseller. Sorry. Like, it will likely not win the National Book Award. It will likely not win the Pulitzer. It will likely not be the best self-help book ever written. Like, let's just be honest here. Like, you know, no offense. Maybe. I really hope it is. I really hope it sells as many copies as Mark Manson, as uh, You Are a Badass, as Tim Ferriss. I hope you become the next whoever you want to be. You might not. Cool. Are you okay with that? Go write a damn book. Right? Like, meaning (laughs) like... Nobody like, and, and, and I know that that sounds so, so harsh, but like one of the things I learned it was that was actually the most powerful thing I learned with this was this book is – like my books are great. They have inspired people. They've changed some lives. And you wake up another day and you're like, oh, I guess I got to do something else. Like it doesn't really change that much. <laughs> like right. you make a little bit of money overall. Probably if I look at my writing career, I've, if you look at time spent versus financial – reward it's not profitable (laughs) if you look at the overall like I would have made more money that whole time you know slinging coffee but the point is like it's incredibly meaningful you create these things in the world that are out there it's such a worthwhile thing to do um but like once you've done it and then you step back and like okay this exists you become less precious about it you I know all of these authors that are like my book my book my book and you're just like dude like you're going to write it. Some people are going to like it. Some people are not going to like it. Most people aren't going to care. And then you're going to go after write another one. So, like, get to it because the preciousness around Like, I, I just I, – I know that that sounds harsh, and I don't want anyone to think that it, your book doesn't matter. It very much does. Like, your story matters more than anything. The point is there's a beginning and an end, and, like, if you don't find the end, like, it's – it. I just – too many people are stuck in this limbo of like, um, you know, trying to make things perfect and it's not going to be perfect. So I I think that that's actually incredibly liberating philosophy. Uh, when you kind of digest it, Of just like, Oh yeah, cool. Like I'm writing a book. It's going to be all right. Exactly. Right. Like (laughs) it's going to be pretty good. That's pretty good is very useful to aim for. Right. Perfection, the best book ever written, the most legendary book in this subject, like these types of things create paralysis and they, they get people to think that they're something that they're not. And I think that that is dangerous um, versus you know, it's a good like, way I'm to gonna... keep yourself stuck. It's a good way to keep yourself stuck. It's a good way to keep yourself never finished because frankly, like you're never going to be finished. It's never going to be perfect. You're never going to be fully done. You could always include another example. You could always make it a little bit better. I'm not saying, like, write crap. But I am saying, like, you know what? Like, put something out there in the world that matters. Spend some time on it. And then move on. Because then you also creatively become liberated to do something new. That was the coolest thing about the second book. Is, like, I was, like, I had a lot of – I was stuck before it um, the first time. Because I was, like, okay, I'm never going to write something that is, like, as meaningful or important to me as Quarter Life Breakthrough. That was about – a huge period of my life, very meaningful subject, very deep, took me a lot of time, a lot of research. And then I'm like, okay, cool. I wrote a book about public speaking. Uh, it took me a lot less time. Now I can write a book about something else. So it's like, it's beautiful. It's just kind of, it's, it. it, it um, I think, again, it's, it's the same thing as the permission slip. It's the biggest critic, the biggest obstacle is yourself. So many authors were in our heads on, where does this fit in on my career? What are people going to think of me? Is this my best work? Blah, uh, blah, 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 blah. Move on, you know, yeah. create something awesome, then make something even more awesome or make something a little less awesome that allows you to make something more awesome after that. Like the point is, yeah, you got, you got the train going. Um, yeah. Um, or or it. it's just, you're in a cycle of a really, a really toxic cycle there.
0: I think that's a really valuable perspective. Okay, so last question here is: um, What are the qualities of a great sentence, and how can we write more of them?
1: Huh. Good question. Um, Clear. Yeah. Write. Write. Write something that makes people understand what you're saying. Um, um, Writes. I'll, I'll say. Write something that yeah makes. Make people stop and stop stop and think about um, their behavior, their actions, or what's going on in the world. I think is powerful.
0: Mm. Okay, I'm going to do that, and I hope people listening do that. And I hope, um, Smiley, I loved it at the end there. Just um, you got a little animated <laughs> about <laughs> getting over ourselves, right?
1: And just I know this... I've had because I've had these conversations recently. I get really fired yep. up about that.
0: No, it's, it's awesome. And I think it's exactly why people who will listen to this will listen to it. So that's great. Um, I mean, I am curious, just one personal question. When you did your research on your speaking book, did you come across the book confessions of a public speaker by Scott? Yes. I think it's Scott
1: Birkin. Scott Birkin. Yeah. I love I that, that book. It's great. Yeah. yeah. I include, I have a, I, I it's in the resources section and it's uh, I mentioned that everyone should read it actually in the text.
0: Awesome. The I'm, I'm definitely going to check out your book. Um, that that next book one. is
1: great. That's, that was like probably one of the, the best comparable titles um, that I read uh, that I read in, in preparation for the book. I mean, Ted talks by Chris Anderson is kind of like the Bible and, and also should is, is required reading and should be uh, more focused on the art of narrative and storytelling. But Scott's book is fantastic because he, he's really awesome. about like the life of a speaker and you know, he's got a lot of experience and
0: yeah. It's the uh, real deal. I could, I could tell the real deal. And I always think whenever I get up in front of a group now, I think of that thing he says about any time in the history of humanity that we've been faced by many eyes looking at us. <laughs> That's usually not ended well, whether it was a pack of yeah. wolves or a tribunal or something. So right, right, right. E- evolutionarily, well, Smiley, this, I've really enjoyed this. I hope you have. It's been super valuable for me personally. I, I intend to share this with as many people as I can. And I hope, um, so anyway, I just want to, I want to let you know that I'm really, really grateful that you made so much time to talk with me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. i uh, yeah, it's, it's great. It was great. Great to participate.
0: Yeah, dude. Well, I, I'll plan not to contact you in January on social media, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I do look forward to the time I get to hear you speak in person. We get to connect somewhere in great. person. Do you have one of those flyers from Burning Man still, by the way?
1: Oh yeah. I kept one on my fridge that's
0: awesome. That's really fun. Actually, I'd love to and see I have that. The, uh, too.
1: The, I'll send you the JPEGs. I have, they sent, I have the,
0: the, the photos. Dude, that's great. I'd love to, if you're, if, if it's okay with you, I'd love to just um, be able to share that with people through this sure. podcast too. <laughs> yeah. that'd be That'd be really fun. So, okay, yeah, man. So, well, I will somewhere down the road, I don't know where or when, but I'm sure our paths will cross again and I will
1: look forward to that day. Okay. Sounds good, Brian. Thanks again for having me on. All right. Thank you. Talk to you later.
0: Despite living in an age where we have more comforts and conveniences than ever before, life isn't working for many people. Whether it's in the developed world, where we're dealing with depression, anxiety, addiction, divorce, jobs we hate, relationships that don't work, or people in the developing world who don't have access to clean water or sanitation or healthcare or education or who live in conflict zones. There's a lot of people on the planet that life isn't working very well for. If you're one of those people, I invite you to connect with me at goodliving.com. I've created Life's Best Practices Breakthrough Coaching to help you navigate the transitions that we all go through. Whether you've just graduated school, you're going through a divorce, you just got married, you're headed into retirement, you're starting a business, you just lost your job, whatever it is you're facing, I've developed a 36-week course that you go through with me and a community of achievers and seekers who are committed to improving their own lives and the lives of others. So through this online program, you will have the opportunity to go deep into every area of your life, explore life's big questions, create answers for yourself in community, get clarity and accountability. If that's something you're interested to learn about, I invite you to contact me directly at brian at BrianMiller.com or by visiting goodliving.com.